0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I have an anthology coming out called Moms Don't Have Time 2, a quarantine anthology, and it comes out on February 16th and has essays by 60 plus of the authors who have been on this podcast. So, first of all, please pre-order this book. I think you will love it. I'm so excited about all the authors who are represented Um, just to give you a few. um, Chris Bajalian, uh, Jewel Parker Rhodes, Ashley Prentice Norton, Gretchen Rubin, Rima Zaman, Eileen Zimmerman, and that is just from the first page of the multi-page table of contents. So, please pick up this book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. It's available... Anywhere you buy books, amazonbookshop.org and your local independent bookstore. So please pick up a copy. And also, I want to invite you listeners to my um, fundraiser slash launch party the night it comes out on February 16th, a Tuesday at 7 p.m., Bookhampton and the Children's Museum of the East End are co-hosting it for me and 50 of the authors who wrote essays in this book as well as many of the amazing authors who blurbed this book um who wrote little praiseworthy quotes at the at the front will be there and you can be there too. health system, and it is named after my husband's mother who passed away from COVID over the summer, which many of you followed along on Instagram as I uh, recounted that horrific experience. So all the proceeds are going there. The cost includes the price of a book. So thank you for supporting this effort and for supporting my book. I can't wait to see you there. Today's episode has been sponsored by author Joe Piazza's new podcast, Under the Influence. Under the Influence is a deep dive into the mom internet, a place haunted by aspirational marketing where it feels like every other mom is a social media influencer trying to sell you something, all while posed in white kitchens that never seem to get messy with toddlers and cloth diapers that never ever leak, a bastion of carefully curated lives that are hashtag blessed. And behind this airbrushed perfection is money, so much money, billions and billions of dollars, a multi-billion dollar industry we never talk about. Journalist and mom of two, Joe Piazza, brings a keen reporter's lens to examine how we got here, what it all means, and how the commodification of motherhood is driving normal mothers to the brink. And through it all, she wonders if she should just join the ochre-hued ranks of the moms if she too can make thousands of dollars off beautiful photos of bath time, frolicking in fields of purple flowers, and posing her newborn next to a beautiful latte, and if this is the future of content. Check it out. Joe Piazza is under the influence. Stephanie Thornton-Plymail is the author of American Daughter, a memoir with Alyssa Wald. She is the CEO of Heritage School of Interior Design and calls Portland, Oregon home, a word with a lot of meaning as she grew up without one. She lived in a car on the beach with her five siblings. She was in a horribly abusive foster home and had a lot of traumatic experiences early in life, which we will discuss, I'm sure. She has supported in the meantime, hundreds of students in her school of interior design and achieving their dream careers. And many alumni have gone on to win prestigious awards and begin wildly successful businesses of their own. She promotes heritage, the success of its students, staff and continually growing community with philanthropic efforts and currently serves on the board of Project Lemonade. Welcome Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having me. I could not be more excited to talk about American Daughter, a memoir. And I'm just showing the cover to anybody watching on YouTube. Stephanie, this book, I opened it early on Saturday morning and I was like, well, I'll just like read a few pages now and then I'll go, I don't know, work out or do something or deal with whatever. I stayed in one spot for four hours <laughs> and read the entire thing. Like I could not put the thing down. It's so good. It is so, 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 oh. so good. So,
1: I'm um, Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that from you. And I can't wait to hear like what you think about it and yes. what your thoughts are. Well, first of all, wait. why
0: don't you tell listeners what this memoir is about?
1: And you know, you read the memoir. It's so hard to say in, in yeah. just a brushstroke, but Basically, after about 50 years of complete silence and living in shame with my story, I decided to kind of come clean and write my story of my past of living homeless in foster care, a severely mentally ill mother with multiple personalities, drug addictions, and just kind of this life of homelessness that I had all the way up until I got married. Well, simultaneously, my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I was estranged from her because of a stalking order of her trying to take my life and burn my house down and, you know, horrendous things. I decided at that time, it was time for me to get answers. And I went in to do a series of interviews with my mother, because that's the only way she would talk to me, is do an interview with her. And then what came out, the shocking, horrific crime that happened against her and then the reconciliation and the process of healing our relationship and many, many other layers that come out in this memoir and in my book to the point of the end where my mother and I fully reconcile. But it's so much more than that. As if
0: that that wasn't (laughs) enough. I mean, that's what was so remarkable about this book. So first it's like all of just your ability to overcome the traumas of your early childhood and your retelling of all of what happened to you. And mm-hmm. all those scenes where I'm like, literally like sitting there with like my hand over my mouth reading. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Mm-hmm. But it's also what I thought was really beautiful. Well, first of all, there's, a, I'm so excited to talk about this. I can't get words <laughs> out. There's this whole like Part of your background, I don't want to give it away because I had no idea it was coming, but your own story throughout history, sort of where your family came from, was also unbelievable, especially the way you unveiled it the way you did And the third part that I really loved is that it's really a love story between you and your husband. And you had this whole moment of almost cheating and like, it's really a love story. So I feel like it has like every element, you know, the mother, the adversity, Mm -hmm. the love story, you know, it's, it was just, and, but, and it's true, which is what the craziest part is. And oh my (laughs) gosh, even your mother's ability to overcome adversity. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> there is so many layers for me. I appreciate how you brought what I said and, and bringing in what you said, because it is hard to really distill it the way. It's just, it's almost impossible to distill it into this brush stroke. So, but we can go into more, but you did a good job. <laughs>
0: thank you, thank you. Why did you write this? Why did you decide to take your story and put it in memoir form and do well, such a good
1: job? <laughs> I started writing the minute I started working with my mom even before that. I started to write my story before I knew the whole story, but once this started to come out and these revelations in my relationship with my mom and and really my failing in my marriage that was able to be restored, just everything needed to be told, and it also just started to feel like a story that was for everybody, and it is, and it's this American story. This is the it's the the story of the failings of America. I fell through every crack. I fell through the education crack, my mother, mental health crack. Our family just fell through every crack possible. But then I'm also the American story of being able to succeed and the opportunities that I've been able to have. And it's also, it's just in a story of our history even. I mean, my family is the history of our country. That came out of this. So there's just so many reasons why this story needed to be told. People will say, and I was just telling my staff, we were talking about this, that I'm brave and it's not about being brave. I feel free. I feel free. I don't have to live in hiding. I don't have to live in shame. I'm an open book. And and there's something just so freeing about that
0: it's literally, you are an open book that is now sitting here open on my desk. So like literally you are. Yeah. I could imagine that would be freeing. I mean, I don't know how you were carrying around that heavy load for so long. I I don't know like how corrosive that must have been in so many ways, like keeping all those secrets.
1: What was that like? It's exhausting. It was exhausting. Before I could even meet with somebody, so my husband had a big career as a CEO and I was always having to meet and entertain people. And I would have, I'd have to make a plan of what questions and how would I answer them before every time I met a new person. If they said, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? I mean, these are, how many siblings do you have? Well, I don't know. One was kidnapped. I don't know if I should add him. I mean, there isn't, there was no way for me to tell my story and be normal. It was exhausting. So that's why I just say I'm just so free now. It's all out there. And I don't feel, I mean, it was like I had all this external success, but inside it was just broken. It was empty. It was a shell of a person before I started this. And now everything's integrated. I get to be a whole person. I have Even just my name, Thornton, I took my name back. I didn't even have a name. I didn't know. I didn't have a grandparent. I didn't have a cousin. I had nobody. I had no history that I knew of. So I took it all back and I'm just, I'm just so whole now. Wow. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And I don't know what it's like to have had these things either. So even when I was living in the back of a station wagon eating seaweed, I didn't know any better and I wasn't unhappy I wasn't unhappy. I was with my siblings. We were all together. I truly love the beach still. <laughs> we lived in the beach. And I've had to come to terms really through the process of writing my book. I lived outside. I lived in a car. I went to the bathroom outside. We ate seaweed. We didn't, this was my life that I had and I didn't know any different. And even today, it shocks me. We were living like animals outside, you know and that is sometimes just staggering for me and you even like bring in your own parenting in this book right and
0: you're in even yeah. the way you adopted your daughter i mean this adopt international adoption saga i mean that ended yeah. beautifully yeah. with your daughter but you know even your point of view of being able to say look like this this was what my daughter was like when she was 11 And listen to what was Mm -hmm. going on with my mother and what was going on with me. And yet you you have a child who's being raised, three children, you know, but that are being raised totally quote unquote normally, right. In a very comfortable environment.
1: And yet look what happened. I mean, I don't know. It's just. I tried to raise them idyllic. You know, I tried to be the opposite and You know, I tried to give my daughter everything that, that I didn't have, which isn't always great at all. And that was that facade that I put on that you read about that I think we all do in a way, you know, we can hide behind this. I could hide behind this uh, interior design business or all of this, but it's still there. And so not Um, only do you, do you still do interior design or do you only run your schools? Um, I just do it for fun. If you follow me on Instagram, I think you're following me. I'm I constantly I am. redesigning stuff. I'm constantly styling and I do that for the school, but I also just, it's just my fun passion. I don't have time to work with clients anymore. I just run the schools and then now I'm doing a lot of philanthropic work and stuff with the book and starting a podcast and you know, starting on my next book, but design you'll see on my Instagram. <laughs> It's my love. <laughs> Slow down and go back for a second. Tell me about the yeah. next
0: book and the podcast.
1: So I'm starting a podcast called Overcoming, and I'm interviewing extraordinary people who've been through extraordinary circumstances who are come out on the other side to share their stories, their strategies, to help inspire other people to share their stories. And to gain more strategies on how to overcome. So it's all about overcoming next year. Don't we all need that right now after the pandemic? Yes. And so that's what I'm doing. My book working title is called Overcoming. So it's going to be more, you know, I didn't share everything in American Daughter. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I
0: find that I find
1: hard to believe. Oh my gosh. Oh no, no. I there's I scaled it. People say, wow, did you just really let it out? And it's like, no, we actually had to edit a lot out for this book to make sure that this book was, you know, just perfectly aligned with the story. There's still more of overcoming. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Because, I mean, if you think about being homeless all the way up until I got married, I was in and out of cars, foster homes. I fell through that whole system, aged out, got kicked out my senior year for not getting my tags done on my car. So I had to live with no parenting, no guidance. Can you even imagine your senior year? I think about my kids and how vulnerable they are. And to just be in their car, staying in somebody's sofa. Their senior year. I mean, it's just it, it's just astounding how much I fell through these cracks. So, what is that like then? If like if your child complains about something, are you just like don't even? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I've. I, they don't like me to to do that. You know, <laughs> they're not into that. I've never, I've never been like that. I never shared my story with my kids. They never knew until I wrote this book. They only had glimpses of seeing my mother. They knew there was a stock in order, but I shielded them from everything. So they found out about my story when I wrote this book. Oh my gosh. And what was that like for you? Well, I just wanted to protect them from everything.
0: No, what, what was it like find having them now learn it? What was that experience like? Did you hand them the copy of the manuscript? Or, like <laughs> literally. Literally. You were just <laughs> Yeah, like, here,
1: literally. Here. Here, here, is here it is. If you want to read it, you know, here's the story. But you know, they lived also with their mother not being truly a whole person either. You know, and I, I hate that about the story because They didn't get to find out about their history. Now, if I was raising my kids now, I'd be sharing these wonderful, successful things from my family. I'd be sharing the horrific parts of our American heritage that we all have, you know, in terms of the Washingtons, the horrible things they did, the good things that they did. So I, But they never got to grow up knowing their heritage, but my grandkids will. But if I had this story, that would have made them more whole, too instead of a mother who had no history, no background and shared nothing. Well, don't beat yourself up. I
0: mean, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I'm sure you've done an extraordinary job. You can sense how much you love and dote on your kids in the book. Yeah. And I'm sure they're amazing people in their own rights. And I'm sure you did a fantastic job. So whatever you needed at that point to get through, like
1: that's what you needed then. And now you're ready for yeah. This, So Yeah, exactly. And that's, I don't have any regrets. I do feel like I, I really tried hard having no skills. I mean, if you think about it, I had no parents. I was really homeless, orphaned. And then I decided to have a family with no skills. I just had to muddle my way through. And, and for me being as loving and doting on them was a safe thing to do, you know? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so when the process of writing this, were you like sobbing over your keyboard? What was that like? Oh my gosh! It it depends on the parts, you know. It, it depends. So when I found out about my mother and what happened to her, so during the interview when she yeah. told me what had happened, and she said, "Go look it up in the papers, 1953, and you'll find out." And I still didn't believe her. You have to understand what my mom's been in and out of psych wards over a hundred times in my lifetime, or jail. So anything she says, you would take with a grain of salt. So to find out what happened. And to have never asked the questions that I, I wish that I had earlier, but it was about the right timing. To find out what happened to her felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach a hundred times. And just the, the physical pain of what she went through being abducted and getting raped is just, it's it was uh, horrific, but it also then created a lot of compassion that I had for her. You know, finding out, even if you read the first chapter and my mother describes trying to, to end her pregnancy with me, just like we're sitting here talking, my mother told me with no emotion, and I wrote it that way. If you read chapter one, this is right out of her mouth, exactly how it went down in the interview. She had no feeling or compassion. Stuff like that is really hard to learn and into process. So that was hard, you know, and then, but... What I'd like to say is that once I realized what happened to my mother, her personalities, her mental health, her addiction, it all made sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it all made sense at that point and my compassion for her grew, but also I was to a point in my life where I mattered. I never mattered. I never mattered to my mother. I never mattered in the system. I never mattered. I matter now (laughs) and I mattered and I was still... Gonna get the answers, and she was still gonna keep going through the interviews. Whether she these interviews went on for two years, oh my god! She wanted them to stop, <laughs> but I set the next one up week after week, you know, until I was done, and yeah. that was two years later. But the interviews went from being interviewing her to us having a relationship and forming a bond and love that we never had. That was very meaningful.
0: Well, the way that you wrote it. And the way you discovered and shared your discoveries, like we mm. all, well, I can't talk for anybody else. now I need to find people who have read this book so I can talk to them <laughs> about it too. It. Your yes. In my book club, I'll do it. In my book club, we'll do it in my book club. But like, we all felt that too. Like, we yeah. all went through that like period of like, oh my gosh, that's what happened. Like, so then you have to like go back in your mind and say like, does that change the way I view this person now that I have this information? Can I reshuffle and readjust, you know, like a filter or something when you have new data? It's
1: just crazy. I haven't really met any, I've only met one person who said, I cannot forgive your mom. I do not care what happened to her. I had only one person.
0: (laughs) Well, what happened to that person?
1: You know, like then that that person probably
0: has a lot of stuff they're carrying around too. You know, most most of the time people's reactions to things
1: are based on their own stuff to basically Uh, everything. And most people, (laughs) and most people, which was important to me that my mother's story be told and that people would have compassion on others with mental health issues because I did. I did. I mean, I I grew up in a way that I'm so thankful that I don't have mental health issues, and most of my siblings do, and they didn't quite come out. And so often, it's just not the fault of the person. It's what's happened to them. And you see that in American Daughter. You see what happened to my mother, and it makes perfect sense how this can happen to somebody. I know you are clearly
0: protecting the privacy of some of your siblings, but in my mm-hmm. sort of You know, greed at your story, wanting more and more. I was like, I want a picture. I almost Googled and was like, (laughs) trying to, I was like, I can't do this. This is creepy now. If I'm trying to like Google your siblings, you know, and your mom, and I was like, should I try to look up the articles? Like, maybe I'll look and investigate it anyway.
1: Well, they're out there. I know, I'm sure. Okay. People do, people do all the time. I notice if I Google myself, I see what other people are Googling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. And they're what, good what fills in well, it. Well, we all do that, and I think in overcoming, I'll probably share more about some of the stuff that people really are interested in, similar to you, where they just wanted to know more, and it's not going to hurt anybody by sharing. You know. So, are your siblings that you're still in touch with and that are remaining are, are they okay with where you've sort of? Well, so you know, you know Dominic, who was yep. who was kidnapped. Yep. Yeah, he lives in New York Mm -hmm. and he's, you know, living his life. He's had a rough life, you know, prison stays and, you know, and it's to be expected, you know, he had a really rough life. And other siblings, you know, I have one of my siblings has been diagnosed with five different mental illnesses and he makes my mom look like a walk in the park, just to be honest, it's really, really scary. So a lot of, uh, you know, they just... A lot of this trauma and, you know, and honestly, like illiteracy, I mean, we, I didn't learn to read till I was 11 years old. We lived outside. We did not go to school. We, the first time I went to school, the first time I went to school was in my foster home where I was was held captive is what I like to say because I was literally tortured there. was my first time in school. So you imagine how traumatic school was for me and my siblings, you know, they were barely literate. You know, your early childhood is so traumatized like this.
0: I love how you talked about the boyfriend who worked at Radio Shack sitting there (laughs) You how to read. Like, that was like, oh, that was just beautiful. I mean, heartbreaking, but beautiful. And even how you described Rick and your complicated feelings about him and everything. And the passage, can I just read like a paragraph? Is that okay? When. You were talking about Rick and how he always used to tell you that you were beautiful inside and out and Mm -hmm. how he said that to you over and over again. And then you said, on the morning of his funeral, a homeless woman came up to me in Starbucks, drawing closer than a stranger would. With no alarm at all, I let her reach out and touch my face. You're beautiful, she crooned. I can see you're beautiful inside and out. It was Rick's mantra to me. And in that moment, I had no doubt that the message was from him. The gift of it knocked me out, rocked me from my roots of my hair to the soles of my feet. It was a moment as otherworldly as the one in that vintage bar at the piano when music flowed from beneath my hands with no explanation. That was my first memory with Rick, and this would be my last, both of them shimmering, glittering with mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> that Love made baby. me cry thinking about that moment at his funeral. And readers haven't been able to read about Rick, but you know, Rick was a con man. Rick stole a mail truck and took us to Mexico. I mean, it's just stuff movies are made out of. This is like this craziest stuff. But he was a con man. He'd been in prison. He'd even taken someone's life in prison and I didn't make the book, but I loved him. <laughs> He was like Santa Claus to me. I mean, I re- he show up here and there, drugged out. I'd be like, oh my God, he's back. Like, yay. I loved Rick. And he, when you read about his turnaround and his recovery from drugs and alcohol, became one of the most amazing human beings I'd ever met. And I loved him. We had a great relationship. And... He even did things like, you know, I'm a des- designer and I own these schools now, but he was the first person to take me to beautiful homes in Portland that he was working on as a contractor to show me what interior design really was. And he would take me to these beautiful houses and it was like, oh, I got to touch the fabrics. And so there were things about Rick that I think as a child, I saw in him that, that nobody else saw. And even before he died, he asked me, what did you see in me and why do you love me? Are you crazy? Like you would say, are you crazy? What in the world is wrong with you? <laughs> I love that relationship and how, you know, all these
0: signs that you you point out over and over in the book, right? That you yeah. feel like, you know, you. it's just, I don't know. This whole book is like, there's some sort of like spiritual thread to everything that is just
1: so inspiring. I mean, I sound like a broken record, but, you know. And it, so I'm so glad you see that because... In so many ways, sharing my story, it it has this, like, a little bit of a magical way in people's lives. Because this book affects everybody in a different way, and then everybody in their own life. As crazy as this story is, as we've just laid out here, everybody sees themselves in American Daughter. Like, it's a truly an American story, and I didn't set out to do that. It's just, it is that. Is this going to be a movie? I'm sure it is. They're, t- they're talking about a mini series, which I think would be far better than one movie. We all want a mini series, right? Yeah. <laughs> we like to binge those.
0: I love how now the mini series is rebranded as a limited series, as if it's like a completely different animal, whereas it's yeah. exactly the same, but whatever. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's great. It's a mini a limited series is like a 10 hour movie. It's perfect. It's like yeah. fantastic.
1: <laughs> That's what we all really want. Yeah. And I think there's so much layering to the story. Like you said, from my story to my mother's story to our history to to all the people in this in this book, I think it'll be a really good series. So we'll see. I know they're talking about it, working on it. Okay. Wow. So I'm excited be. to hear about it. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Do you have advice to aspiring authors? Yeah, have you written a book? I didn't read that about you.
0: I have. I've written a couple. I've written unpublished books. I have an anthology coming out very soon. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Moms don't have time to a quarantine anthology comes out in two weeks.
1: <laughs> uh, oh really? Oh, that's so exciting! Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's so exciting. You know, my journey of publishing was really wild, as wild as this book is. So, I published with Greenleaf, which is a hybrid. Publishing and I published American Daughter because I just, I like to learn. The hard way on everything. <laughs> so I published it. It went straight to number one bestseller and memoir. I was on the Today Show and, and it just exploded. And then HarperCollins bought the book two weeks later, took it off the market. And then I've had a fabulous experience with HarperCollins. And so that's kind of the, the next phase of, of American Daughter. So I've got I've had the chance to do both, and I really love both experiences. So I think if you have a chance to work with a publisher, I think it's fabulous. But if you get all also get a chance to self-publish. I think it's a wonderful education for people, and I just don't think that people should tell you not to do something like this. If you want to write a book, write a book. Do it. It's the best. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I'm free from it. I, I really. It was hard as it was. It. It was so fulfilling. I just think writing a book is so fulfilling. It's just. It's such a major accomplishment, and I, I just recommend if that's something you want to do, to go for it. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, that book's been done before or any of the negativity. I heard it all. I heard it all. I got the looks. Oh, who cares? You know, what's another story? But you know, I'm even if I just did it for myself, it's fabulous. But the book's gonna touch people's lives and and you need to go for it. You definitely wanna know your audience. You wanna be kind of clear about your, you know, what the purpose of your book is for. So there's there's a lot of things. I want to teach a little class on on publishing because I feel like I've been through I've been successful as a self-publisher and I've been successful working with a wonderful publisher like HarperCollins. So great. So we'll we'll be signing up That's next that. year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Well, Stephanie, thank you. This book really touched me profoundly as you've said it's touched so many other people and will continue to do so and I am just like so in awe of you and like feel thank like you. I have this place in my heart for you now that I know so much about you and have gone through this like book journey here. And it's really thank amazing. You. And I'm like, thrilled to have you in book club at some point soon. And I just congratulate you from the bottom of my heart.
1: Well, I love being on your show. I love following you. I love your positive energy. Oh. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for following me. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm all in. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. Have a great day. And thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I can't wait to be in your book club. Me too. Thank you. Okay. Okay. bye Bye.
0: Today's podcast has been sponsored by Under the Influence, a new podcast by author Joe Piazza.